Welcome to another episode of the Nolcast. As always, we want to thank our sponsor, Tarpon Sellers Winery, tarponsellers.com. Coupon code Nolcast for 20% off. Uh, we're recording live tonight with uh, the YouTube audience who may be checking in from time to time. So always appreciate it whenever anybody makes it over to one of these. And Bud, we've got some uh, some great listener questions. We've got some recruiting uh, questions. Is there some level of initial feedback now that spring practice has started? Minute, but really, uh, we'll do our best to answer people's questions and stuff like that. But we're going to wait until pads get on, until we start really trying to give you guys updates as to where spring is. Uh, certainly some people that have looked uh, promising, and uh, we'll continue to keep our eyes on those guys and bring you up to speed as more uh, concrete information, we'll label it that way, becomes available. Oh, the lies we tell in shorts and t-shirts. I agree with you. We should wait on that. We, we've done this for, what is this now? Our 12th year, I think. I, yeah. I, we, we've I done think a few of these spring practices. 12th and year, 11th season, if I am correct. I think the, the two things that uh, stand out so far that we can discuss briefly before we get to these listener questions and, and get into more of the recruiting uh, focus talk. Number one, AZ Thomas, I think is going to be a dude. Uh, I know there's a listener question about that. Hell, let's just go ahead and pull this up right now. Let's let's go ahead and take uh, whose question was this? Uh, let's see. I think Richard mentioned uh, Az Thomas, and perhaps yeah. Let's take let's take Richards just to open the show with a bang. Richard, who is one of our <laughs> Patreon members, yeah. Uh, I I think we've heard enough good things about Az Thomas where we can think that hell maybe I was underselling it a little bit. And Richard writes, been a listener since 2013. Love the show. I work in commercial real estate, uh, and of course. Uh, the last six months, I've run into two of Ingram's attorney brothers from college. They said it was pretty much four years of the Miami instant reaction, Ingram, and he is one of their favorite people. And you and I went to college around the same time, so there was a, a good bit of, of losing there, but not not every year. Um, although you're one year older than I am, so we, we got the Miami muff, I think, in my senior year or my junior year. So you might have had even more Miami misery um, than I did there. I think he's uh, talking about my uh, excited state in this year's instant reaction. To oh, the okay. Game. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah. By the way, shout out notification gang on YouTube, the folks who have us uh, notifications turned on on the channel. Very much appreciate that. You never know when we will go live because we have you know, busy lives. Uh, loved hearing the stories. To my question, two weeks ago, I think it was uh, Ingram that said, maybe Bud, uh, that he would not be surprised if Thomas is not starting by the midway point of freshman year. It seems initial observations from practice have been very positive. Ari Thomas, I agree. Check out Knowles247.com. It's Knowles247.com. Great promo deals there all the time and definitely become a member. Uh, how much of a role does the immediate emergence of a true freshman play in the departure and decision-making regarding portal entry uh, for older players in any unit? I think it it could have something to do with that. What I think it could have a lot of things to, to do with, with stuff like that. It could have, have some things to do with with guys moving positions or you know, maybe guys moving up and out of the program, I think AZ Thomas is going to be the real deal for them and is a nice consolation prize for losing out on Travis Hunter. And while I think Travis Hunter is a really special player, and I'm not going to sit down here on YouTube and tell you that AZ Thomas is going to be better because I don't really think that right now. I think with his skill set, that's within the realm of possibility, not probability. It's not likely, but it's certainly possible that they get big time things out of that kid. So. We will continue to watch. That's uh, that's very, very encouraging so far. Continue to watch. I think to the specifics of his question, uh, there are guys that will leave 
if they think that they've been passed on the death chart. Uh, there's guys that will leave if they... Okay, so there's getting... What I'm trying to say is there's getting passed on the death chart and knowing you're not a number one bud. And then there's, and I'm pushing three or four days in the future, there's looking at yourself in the mirror saying, hey, this kid's only been on practice for seven seven practices and he's already in front of me. Uh, you know, there's a whole yeah. other realization as to, oh my, you know, here's a kid who's already been here. So if you're the type that's not just happy with being a football player at Florida State, then yeah, exiting spring or being two thirds of the way through spring and realizing that a kid uh, that's just been here for a second is already more likely to take snaps than you are. That is when you can have somebody who makes that evaluation. Now, it'll be interesting to see what the portal is right now. There's a lot of like extra fluff in the portal, in my opinion, as far as how many kids are entering with actual destinations. I think you're yep. starting to see a little bit of a pullback and hesitancy from kids because they realize that it's not just, you know, I'm going to throw myself in the portal and then I'm going to be uh, starting at XYZ school within six months or something like that. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Thomas heard nothing but good things. We'll continue to be pretty optimistic on the idea that he becomes a pretty quick contributor. Um, and he will, you know, has been and looks like he will be one of the storylines of spring so far. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, I did shoot a video for 24-7 Sports on when will we reach portal equilibrium, right? Like, mm. wh- when are we find- wh- when is this thing going to crest and, and then start to kind of find its level? And I think we're a couple years from it really finding its true level just due to how many COVID scholarships are still out there. Uh, remember, we gave everybody extra eligibility but we didn't actually give them extra roster spots and that, that pressed a whole lot of people out. Uh, but I agree with you that I think your kids are starting to hear the stories now. Hey, don't just jump in there if you don't actually have a real destination because there's a real consequence that maybe you won't have a scholarship somewhere else, right? Those FCS rides are not always as easy to come by now as you think they are, even if you're a guy who currently holds a scholarship at Florida State. So I, I would agree with you on, on that. Uh, I also think it's important to note, this is year two of having unlimited transfer, or rather, you know, unfettered transfers, where you don't have to sit out assuming it is the first time that you've transferred. Well, we got to assume a lot of the kids last year transferred, and they've been thinking about it. And the kids who already jumped in this year, at a certain point, the kids who have been wanting to transfer for years uh, are probably already in. Just something to think about there. Where do you want to go now? Do you want to go... We got a couple questions about Brownlee. I don't know exactly what's going on there. Uh, I he did post on his Instagram, and of course, like obviously, I like Jarvis Brownlee a lot. Uh, I think he's a good player. Um, I've always liked him since he was a recruit. I was kind of like one of my guys that I was thinking FSU should offer back when we were doing this four or five years ago when he was a recruit. But he, you know, he posted on his Instagram how he doesn't have any NIL deals, uh, and you know, just kind of just general social media unhappiness from him. And he's not a great player, but he also played 800 snaps last year. And the coaching staff speaks with its actions. And given that guy that many reps probably shows that he is a guy who uh, is in the plans for them, right? Even if they did take it, you know, take a transfer in advance and, and brought in some other guys and, and are, are playing them, including Thomas at corner. It's weird though, man. Like we, we were texting before the show. Wasn't he at the boys and girls club thing? Well, yeah, and that that's where the conversation does get kind of nuanced. I'm not saying that like everybody that goes to one of those things is necessarily involved in Florida State's NIL efforts, but I do think that that's kind of a route in which they've paired community engagement and name image likeness. Just by yeah. 
observations. We'll, we'll call it as such. So he was at the first one, wasn't at the second one. I, I don't think I wasn't there. Uh, it didn't appear though. You didn't see him in any videos from it. Didn't see him in any pictures or videos. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just find this all interesting to be honest with you. I mean, I, I am aware of some other NIL opportunities that Brownlee and some Florida state guys have kind of left on the board. I'll leave it with that. Um, Including ones that we tried to give them last we, year. We did try to reach out to a couple guys. <laughs> strange. Just didn't respond. Str- strange learning process. This whole nil thing has been. Yeah, I hope it gets. I hope it gets corrected because that's obviously a, a guy that uh, you're right is not a super. You know, not like a, a 42 inch four three guy or something. He's not a super athlete, but a tough football competitor. Hoovered up a ton of snaps last year, as you mentioned. And uh, somebody that you would think is probably going to play a decent role in Florida State's backfield uh, in the future. Generally a good tackler. Like, obviously, part of that Jacksonville State in like into the gameplay is on him, right? It would be I just said good tackler. Generally, obviously, you'd like to get that guy on the ground. I could fully see if you're a business why maybe you wouldn't want to associate yourself with the guy who had a chance to bring down and and, and prevent the worst loss in program history. He's always a kid. I'm going to root for. Just I enjoy watching him play. I'll I'll leave it at that. I hope everything works out. I really don't have, we don't have anything else on that. Hope to see yeah. old Touch Money Uno back out there on the field. And anybody that's got a dollar pill uh, taped to their back flap is uh, good in my book. And uh, yeah, like I said, I share your your want to see him out there, and hopefully things get corrected. All right. So recruiting. Big, big tons of recruiting news in general. Let's start with, you know, where it makes most sense to start. And that is uh, a rather massive commitment uh, from a defense alignment at North Carolina. But so, you know, we'll let's let's talk about it. We can talk about the <laughs> whether or not it was fully expected, what our expectation of retention of commitments going to be. But Keith Sampson, big, uh, fluid, six three two ninety somewhere in that area. Kid out of the uh, the eastern coast uh, of North Carolina, New Bern, North Carolina, which means probably going to be about a 10, 10 and a half hour drive for him, uh, if not a little bit longer, to Tallahassee. Uh, but big pickup, really articulate kid, spoke very highly of the staff. Another guy, you know, uh, not that Odell needed to add any more uh, credits to his resume, but uh, another guy that has bonded with Coach Haggins there, and uh, they've done a really good job of, of getting out and got to the point where he's made a commitment, and uh, it's a big addition to the staff, or big addition to the class, certainly. It is. So, look, there's this perception out there, and it may end up being right in the long term, that Miami and Florida are just going to roll over FSU in recruiting right now because they're, they're the new hotness. And certainly, they have that new coach smell. But Mike Norvell and his guys, they're not going down without a fight. Right. Like they, they are busting their butts to get kids on campus. Obviously, they can't even do with NIL, but I do think FSU is making good strides in NIL behind the scenes. Maybe we'll see some more on that later on this month. And I like they're not going down without a fight. They're trying to get a whole lot of talented kids on campus and doing what it takes to get those kids on campus. I, I think Derek, the new, the new GM, is doing a nice job there. You obviously have some guys on this coaching staff who I think are good recruiters. Some, I think I'm pretty well documented as saying, I don't think they're good recruiters and, and, you know, either shouldn't have been hired or should not have been retained. But that's the case with any staff that is uh, not like super locked down. So, okay, let's move on from that. They end up getting 
they end up getting Samson. I, I, I think that's a really nice get for them. Um, let's talk about the player before we talk about retaining him. Okay. And I'm going to, if you guys are watching on YouTube, got a little treat for you here. It's kind of cool. Let's actually watch him as we talk about him. So you guys can check him out there in the background. As you said, 6'3, 285. He's actually a three sport guy. He was a, he was a thrower in track, uh, also plays some basketball. Now, he did not get to play hoops, I believe, in 21 because North Carolina was one of those states due to COVID that didn't play in the fall of 20. So he's actually played a ton of football uh, in, in 2021, being that he played a spring you know, season and then also played a fall season. So that's kind of wild, right? Uh, anyway, look, the highlights, what I see is, is some upfield explosion, right? Uh, I do see a good motor based on the highlights. Granted, I haven't watched his actual game film yet, and I have not had a chance to evaluate him in person. So I'm seeing what you guys are seeing, right? And some different, when I talk to some folks, obviously, when, when, when he committed. This is not a guy I thought was going to commit, by the way. Like if, if you had me make a list of guys, hey, I think that are probably going to commit on this Junior Day weekend, he's not somebody that I would have had real high on that list. But as you noted, credit to Odell Higgins, you know, and Getting that getting that job done there is big. They're going to need a couple more in our next episode. We'll talk about the defensive recruiting needs. I know in the more structured part of the episode, uh, we will uh, we'll talk more about the offensive recruiting needs this week. He also has a three point eight GPA, three point so, eight GPA, 3. and this kind of gets to the retention part of the conversation, in my opinion. Really um, appears a real good fit with Florida State's kineology program. Kinesiology. Excuse me, there it goes. Third time's the charm. A kid that I think would be really impressed uh, by getting in touch with Marvin Roll. Uh, I think that they'll use that down the road. Uh, or Myron Roll. What the hell's going on with me tonight? Man, you are um, just, the yeah, names tonight are, are so really struggle busting. I'm not sure where that even came from. Anyways, Myron uh, could get involved there, be an asset for you. Uh, appears to be like a really a kid that's a little more mature uh, than his age is, is interviews impressive, uh, gives things a lot of thought. I do think that, you know, these kids are influenced by going and seeing things and, uh, you know, will be impressed regardless of where they go. But uh, a kid who I was, I, I watched him as in interviews and talked to people behind the scenes. I'm a little more optimistic about the retention of this commitment than maybe I would have just based off the, uh, you know, baseline parameters of a kid that's probably got an 11 hour drive, all things considered, back and forth to campus, uh, is going to be recruited by, you know, a lot of different people and certainly the powers of, uh, of recruiting in that part of the country, meaning like Clemson and others will probably get involved to some degree. Uh, but I think you've got a real good chance to keep this kid and a guy that could be a, a real asset for you as you try to put your class together. Yeah, 100% agree. Like, if you don't have a, a, a good year, you're not going to keep the kid. That's going to be for any decent, like any player that, that is good enough for you to get excited about at this time of year, we can basically just copy paste that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go six and six, you're not going to sign Keith Sampson. I don't care how much playing time you have to sell. Now, again, I'm the same guy that shot the video that said Mike Norvell is not on the hot seat, and I don't think he is. You go six and six, every single article for 2023 is going to have him square on the hot seat and maybe not unjustifiably so they have to go out there and win more games than I think they're going to win this year if they want to keep this class together and continue to build on the class. But in, anyway, a really, really nice start there. 
to get a guy in, in the national top 150 right now is uh, is quite impressive. We had a couple questions. I, I pulled these out of the Patreon as well uh, that got sent to us. Like, hey, why, why are we you know, wasting our time with this kid or or that kid? You know, and the one I got asked about was was Brandon Ennis, right? Brandon Ennis, obviously, uh, some people think he's the number one receiver in the entire country, pretty much universally, the you know, one of the top four receivers in the nation. Out of South Florida, a kid who I don't think is going to go to Florida State. He does have a longtime relationship with Parson, so it is nice that your quarterback, uh, you know, commit is uh, is friendly with him. Don't think that's going to matter ultimately. Uh, but why do you bring him on campus? A couple of reasons. Number one, what if you have a much better season than people think that you're going to have? Then I think you're going to have. Okay. Uh, then maybe you're in play. Number two. If you bring him on campus and he has a good time, he gets to see his buddies and he plays for South Florida Express. That's a very reputable and successful seven on seventeen. Maybe at a future tournament this summer, he talks to his friends about how much he liked Florida State, right? We've talked about this before. It's not BS. Okay. Just having a really good player on your campus, there's not a whole lot of downside to it unless it makes somebody else uh, not be able to come to campus or, or not get tickets to a basketball game or, or, or what have you. And I don't think that's really that was really the case here for this weekend. So to me, there's no real downside of, of bringing on an elite player on your campus, even though I don't think you have an actual chance to sign him at this time, unless you really, really uh, overachieve. Now, a company that constantly overachieves is a legendary team. Shannon and Chad, this week, I did not botch the ad read. 844-FSU-LOAN. Done 300 loans to these guys in just about three years. Love partnering with them. I've actually, I'm two of those, right? My mortgage and my refi. Tremendous experience both times. Somebody you can trust. And uh, I just, I, I can't recommend them enough. But the housing market in Florida is still really hot. 844 FSU loan is the number to call to get it done. And thank you guys for being proud supporters of the NOLCAST. Absolutely. Um, let's see, we've got uh, recruiting needs and kind of uh, the going over of the general board. Uh, before we do that, we had a, let me see, we had a little question here about the overall recruiting. Timmy asked, is it great uh, that Norvell and staff were able to get a lot of 23 kids on campus immediately um, coming off the season? Do you think Florida State will be able to maintain some of this momentum? So, uh, yeah, Timmy, I was surprised by, love to see Chad in the comments and supporting as always. Thank you, Chad. Um, I was surprised by how many kids they were able to get. I'm surprised by, you know, some of the energy that they were able to uh, immediately display out there, shake off some of the uh, the sour taste that existed at the end of the 22 class. So obviously, the staff's not going to walk around and mope and, you know, woe is me, but, uh, you know, they're obviously back out at it. Like you said, they're not going down without a fight as far as competing in-state, and um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people were impressed by what they were able to do, uh, both you know, supporters of Florida State and had a couple people from around the Southeast uh, reach out to me and ask, you know, how long do you think Florida State will be able to continue uh, to recruit and the amount of momentum behind Mike Norvell and all the questions that get asked as far as his future and longevity, etc. But off to a really strong start, everything will depend on uh, the twenty, you know, the twenty-two season, as we've discussed, how influential it is. But uh, they are, you know, out of the gates in a strong position, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I think they have the possibility of doing 
a little bit better than maybe I thought they did even as recently as a month ago or so. I, I would agree with that, I think. Um, the other key thing that we will be looking for here is, do they have decent backup plans? Are they being realistic? The guy who is likely to go number one overall in the NFL draft, Evan Neal, is a player who I can tell you, we've discussed this on the show many times. I told the last staff, you guys aren't getting him, right? You're not going to make a bowl. You're not landing that kid. It's just not going to happen. Like, I don't know what magic formula or handshake or whatever you think you could do to get him, but it's not going to happen. Uh, I still get a chuckle every time I see Evan Neal. Just like, whoo, look at that guy. And to think that we thought we were going to sign him at that point in time. It's, uh, you know, he impressive. was 374 at the, at the Nike camp. I still have the photo. The, 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 the guy, he's no longer with Nike. He was doing the weigh-ins for them that day, and he, and he sent it to me. Uh, he said, check this out. Oh my God, 374. So he's 40, 44 pounds lighter now mm-hmm. than he was then. Yeah, he's a cool th- 330. And, it, and when you look at him, it looks like he's about 265. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy how that kid carries weight. Um, I don't know this is necessarily... Why don't we transition? Not uh, a real fair comparison for the kid, but real quickly, a specific conversation about a kid. Lucas Simmons, man, that is his impressive uh, uh, just physical look at that I've seen in a while. Big offensive tackle, about 6'7", 305, kind of similar in build to Neil. I'm not saying he's going to be a, you know, a future first-round uh, top-five pick or something like that. But, uh, man, that's a kid that when you see pictures of, and uh, that's a that's the type of kid that when you sign, you you know that the trajectory of the program's changed a little bit. Yeah, so I, I had a chance to see Simmons uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago when I was down there at the Under Armour uh, camp with all of South Florida, basically. He's pretty legit looking, man. Six seven three hundred is uh, is what he measured in at. Uh, just outside the national top one hundred for us at twenty four seven Sports, and you know he moved fairly well. I would have liked to have seen him. Well, I, I would have liked to have seen Under Armour do best on best at the end of the O line D line one on ones. Unfortunately, they, they didn't do that, or if they did, I missed it. No. I think I would have missed it because there's only one field. That to me is something I, I really value because otherwise you just get kind of random call outs by the O-line and D-line coach and they just kind of go down a list. And so some of the kids that he beat, I didn't think at that camp were all that great. But some of them I think are going to be good college players. And so I was pretty impressed by that. I was also impressed in that when he beat somebody, he rubbed it in. Not in like a hot dog way, but sometimes you see these kind of long, gangly offensive tackles that don't really have a real sense of what their body is yet. And they kind of back down. They don't really have that, that confidence and that swagger yet that you want to see from an offensive lineman. And, and Simmons did. Uh, now, maybe, maybe part of that is because his dad played for Oklahoma. Uh, and maybe he, you know, even though he's from Sweden, like maybe he grew up around the game more just being around his dad. But he, he gave it right back to the guy. You know, no, no doubt about it. Shoved him right back. Kid tried to hit him in the face, like just you know, right, right back at you. And that's that's a long ways up there to try and swing, right? Yeah, he has a great relationship with Alex Atkins. Um, FSU thinks they're going to get him back on campus for an official visit. Bring the parents. There's a possibility there. I think we should probably take Joe's question here as well. It, it, it pairs nicely. Uh, what would you what would consider be enough to be in play? Uh, with these kids, like the real high level kids, you know, uh, and Ennis, I don't know if you want to put Simmons in there in there yet. I want to see Simmons 
I want to see how, how he does in some of the run blocking stuff against bigger people. And we'll, we'll see if we ever get the chance to evaluate that in high school. But certainly he's, uh, he's been trending up let me, pretty let strongly. Let me live the dream of signing Simmons and Kearney in the same okay. class. I mean, that would be... And to live that dream, you certainly have to win eight. Uh, and these are regular season only because yeah, bowl games don't count for this. Yeah, the kids um, sign before a bowl game ever happens. You have to win eight. You may have to win nine. I mean, I, I know that. I think for Simmons, probably nine. Kearney, probably an eight. Just because of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Get to eight. And I think that you certainly have turned, you're, you're not looking at the season as a liability, right? You're not looking at having to explain why things didn't work out. Uh, anything above that, then yeah, maybe you've got a chance to really get some uh, additional support uh, that is uh, behind you that could be, you know, really impressed by the season and let you dream some of these higher, uh, you know, top of the top of the proverbial tree uh, type recruits, whether it be, you know, and as some of the kids that we've talked about or some of these other really high uh, national recruits that Florida State's kind of on the periphery with. All right, question for you. More likely, ACC championship or signing Brandon Ennis? ACC championship. Yeah, I agree. It's cool. It's, you know, it's good. It's good to have you there. It's good that other kids see, uh, you know, super elite talent. Um, I'm all about it. You don't stop recruiting a kid like Ennis just because you don't think that you're in a place to sign him. But you do it with realistic and uh, you know understood expectations. Um, so, um, all right. So this is fun. You know, we've talked about the fact that um, Florida State's had a nice little start here, and uh, not to be too anecdotal, but I've kind of shaken off the pain that was uh, the uh, you know early signing day, and I'm ready to. Uh, I'm ready to love and be hurt again, but I'm uh, ready to go through this recruiting process. And uh, I'm really excited. We're going to dedicate the next 20 minutes or so of just kind of giving you an idea as to what we think Florida State's board looks like. We're going to go position by position, as we've been fond of doing for about a dozen years now, um, and give you an idea of what they've got committed, if any, uh, realistic targets, uh, you know, their needs based off where we think the roster is right now. Um, this will be a nice little kind of, uh, uh, you know, rough draft as to what we think Florida State's going to look like, who to keep an eye on, and, uh, you know, just kind of plant the, the foundation for those of you who maybe haven't followed recruiting as, as, uh, at a granular level since, since some of the disappointments of a couple months ago. All right, so let's start at quarterback here. Uh, Jordan Travis technically has one year left after this one, if he wants to use it. Per the way I read it, because he redshirted at Louisville, right? Mm -hmm. um, he would play 19, 20, 21, and 22 at FSU, and then he would get his COVID year, right? So yeah, he, he would have 18, one more. 19, 20, yeah, he definitely has another year. Do you think he's a candidate to turn pro? And if so, like your answer to this, does that impact what you do in the high school recruiting rankings? Uh, I do think he's a candidate to turn pro only because if he has a decent enough year, I don't know that the tape is going to evolve all that much. I also think that, um, you know, he's a kid that has some health and injury concerns and he may just want to go out there and see if he can get a paycheck. Uh, sure. You know, that don't know how long this football thing is going to be out there for him. Um, I don't, I'm not going to necessarily predict it uh, per se, but I, I don't think it's as, foolish and ideas maybe it looks like a, at surface level 
Is that a, I think he can be a Taysom Hill type in the NFL, or is that a, I think he improves as a passer enough to actually consider it a draftable prospect? No, I don't think he's a draftable quarterback, to be honest with you, man. And, I, and I'm, it's not a knock on the kid, all right? I, it just, I don't see his game projecting at college, the NFL level. Better college player than pro. He's a super elite yes. athlete. There's a place for him. There's a place for him, whether it be the Taysom Hill or a uh, you know, type role or a franchise that comes in, has him, you know, look at maybe returning kicks and builds an offensive package around him for five to eight games, plays a game or something like that. I, I, I do think that he's got a role. I just don't, you know, and we've got a lot of time to reach out to some of our NFL contacts and try to get feedback from him. I don't think he's being evaluated as a pure quarterback at the, at the Sunday level, uh, at least currently. I, I would agree with you on that. Um, this is where it gets kind of tough. Chris Parson is committed. Uh, I heard that the visit went really well and that everything has been kind of smoothed over from the whole, I'm going to pull FSU stuff from my social media. Uh, I, I think his, you know, his parents have certainly helped him you know, kind of stay the, the, you know, the steady course there, if you can put it that way. Numbers-wise, I think you would like to take two. Personality-wise, given what you've already seen, uh, both on a local level but also nationally, it is very difficult to take two high school quarterbacks in one class. You're going to have to figure out what Jordan Travis does. Does Tate Rodemaker transfer out, or does he want to be a guy who's there for four years, uh, and even if he's not really playing? Is A.J. Duffy ready to take over next year if Jordan Travis does leave, and at what level? Can you actually find two high school quarterbacks that you like enough who are also willing to say yes to you? No doubt they're going to take the one. In Parson, they like him a whole lot. They like him more than our ratings like him, and he likes them quite a bit. So that's a really nice fit, right? When when he likes you a lot, and you really value him, that kind of makes for a good marriage. I don't know that they're going to take a second one right now, to be honest. I don't think that they would ever publicly say that they, that they would. But numbers wise, there are scenarios here in which it would make good sense to take two high schoolers. Will they do it? I'm a little skeptical. If Jordan does leave, I could see them taking a transfer as well to provide some competition in that room. Because Parson is not a guy who I think is going to come in and start as a freshman, most likely. So you would have Duffy. I'm going to assume Rodemaker doesn't really give Duffy much competition. Maybe I'll be wrong in that, in that assumption. If you disagree, you know, let me know. My guess, best guess is probably one high school and potentially one transfer. Yeah, I, I think... You know, I'm just going to second what you said. I, I don't think from what you've seen here that uh, recruiting a second high school quarterback is possible. Uh, I think that if the addition comes, it'll come via the portal uh, later on down the road. Um, but yeah, I, I think right now it's Parson. They've made their evaluation. They've made their decision there. They're going to ride with him. And um, I would be surprised if you get a real strong conversation about a second high school quarterback at any point during this process. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Running back? Uh, yeah, running back. I mean, Richard Young, that's uh, pretty sure. I'm just kidding. I wish that were yeah. the case. Um, <laughs> doesn't, uh, doesn't seem real likely. Certainly some of the targets. It's a nice year for running backs in the state of Florida. How much you know, Florida State will be involved in those guys. Uh, Richard Young, Cedric Baxter seem to be kind of their two largest targets. Uh, Dalen Smothers is another kid that was there this weekend that I know that they're real fond of. And look, you just got to get, I'm not going to say that you're going to get one of these super, you know, four or five elite kids that are in the class, but you, you've got to get 
back in the game of signing good high school running backs that can contribute to this program. I mean, I, I know that sounds simplistic and elementary, but it's true. Uh, you've got to do a better job at this position. So I will be uh, really interested here. In my opinion, they try to take cool, two kids from high school. Who are I they, bud? The numbers I mean, make sense there. You know, the numbers yeah. make sense there. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, who fits those profiles of kids that they legitimately think they can get and uh, where they come from. Because right now, eh, the board's, board's pretty wide open when it comes to running back prospects. All right, I'm going to read your list of names. You're going to tell me how many of these players are not on, on FSU scholarship roster next year. Okay. okay. You don't, I don't need names right now because it's really far out. DJ Williams, Trey Benson, Ward, Toa Philly, Wren, and Hill. At least two, potentially three, not on the roster next year, in my opinion. Then I think you better, you better take two high school backs. Mm-hmm. I will say, given Norvell's history so far with taking backs out of the portal and having success with them, uh, it is possible that, you know, maybe they could go portal again for a back. But I think you want to get a good high school back in there. If you can, it's a position you obviously feature quite a bit in that offense. Uh, I don't think Richard Young is particularly realistic. You need to keep kicking the tires on Cedric Baxter to see if, if he maybe uh, gets more interested. At this point, like you guys always want me to be honest with you, I think Cedric, ba- Cedric Baxter is going to kind of level up, to be honest, based on what I saw from him at a recent 7-on-7 seven seven and how big and fast he is now. To me, he has resumed the trajectory that he had as a freshman when he was committed. As a sophomore, I didn't really think he was all that great. He was playing some receiver. The, the year just was not great. He had a tremendous junior year once again. He looks like a million bucks right now. And uh, I mean, we in the latest 24-7 sports update, we have him as the number two running back in the country and the number 26 overall player in the country. I brag on our rankings here. A lot of the industry seems to kind of follow the direction that, that 24-7 is going. And it makes sense because they have a huge evaluation staff. Just more and more full-time hires being made. They are guys who have done it as general managers, as director of player personnel, as scouts, that, that type of thing. Uh, Baxter's looked very good. I would be surprised if they land Cedric Baxter in this class just because I think he's going to level up to where, to me, that looks more like a, a Georgia-Bama-type player at this point. Just my personal opinion. So here, I'll be interested to see where they go down ballot. Young Baxter, the Smothers kid that I referenced a second ago, anybody else for people that are just listening to kind of uh, having their back of their minds as far as who could emerge here at this position? Yeah, I mean, look, so opinions are very mixed on Sam Singleton. Uh, not like, is he good or not, but it's just, is he, how good is he, right? Mark, Mark Fletcher is another back. He's at Heritage um, you know, down there in Lauderdale. That'd be somebody I, I would take a look at. Uh, Smothers, we already mentioned. I haven't seen the Jalen Johnson kid out of Georgia. I know they did offer him, so I'll have to see you know, kind of what happens there uh, and if, if they actually pursue. My guess is we'll have a couple more names merge. They still have their camps coming up. We still have the uh, UC Report camp. In Orlando coming up, we'll see what everybody runs at that camp. It should be pretty well attended. You, you got to keep in mind that uh, a lot of the good skill players in the state of Florida did not attend the Under Armour Miami camp because they were almost all out at the uh, various national seven-on-sevens. I don't really have other names. I think they're really hard after right now there, uh, but they do have some time to, to see who emerges. 
All right. Move, uh, moving over receiver? to wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This is an interesting one too, man. So to me, they need to take four in the high school ranks. How many programs do you know that have successfully took four receivers recently? I think Bama's done it Bama, like yeah, twice in like the last four years. Bama's maybe. not the only people that I can think of immediately. Um, and they've had multiple Heisman Trophy winners I mean, at the quarterback position. So that's a little bit different game than you're playing right now. This is where striking out in the 22 class, uh, just you know, a couple of months ago now, this is where it hurts you because because he didn't land a receiver in that class. Now, granted, we saw the whole. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's an arrest. It's not a conviction right now with with the Mortimer thing. Maybe you dodged a bullet there, but it's hard to convince four receivers to come play together in an offense that has not thrown the ball very well. This is where the the, the losses from one signing day really stack up to the next signing day. The numbers tell me they should be trying to take four high school receivers, and it's a pretty nice year in the state for the high school receiver position. Well, of course, of course, it's high school receiver position. There's no real transfer market in the state or out of state. It's just kind of one, you know, transfer market. We already talked about Brandon Ennis earlier in this show. Uh, some names I, I do want to kind of throw at you to, to keep you all aware of. Ikeem Williams, guy who was on campus, pretty nice basketball player as well. Change of direction, vert, are nice on him, catches the ball well. I've always kind of liked him, and FSU staff does quite a bit. Santana Fleming is a guy who's a you know, pretty fast runner. I like to see more verified times on him, but you know, when I've seen him, he, he looks he looks fairly fast. Then uh, Drevius Jacobs, who I've seen a number number of times, uh, he blew up at their seven on last year, and they offered him and accepted his commitment. So, Keon Brown, local kid, somebody who I think probably wants in. I think they're trying to evaluate whether that's uh, something that will will happen. And uh, who else here? Oh, maybe Shelton Sampson, kid out of Louisiana. Kind of doubt it, but be one to throw the name in there. That's a guy I know the staff likes. And then Jalen Brown as well. He's at Gulliver there in Miami. I'm not really sure what odds they have with him. Uh, but they, they certainly, to me, they're being better received with some of these high school prospects than logic tells me they should be, given what happened with the receiver coaching position given what has happened so far at the receiver position in terms of development and production under Mike Norvell. I don't know that I have a ton to add to that. I mean, the, you know, the Santam the Fleming kid looks like somebody that you're continuing to do well with and uh, we'll keep an eye on as far as a, you know, potential commitment from him. I'm not saying anything's imminent, but you could maybe be in a place where you get a commitment out of that kid in the next six weeks or something like that, I would say. It uh, would be nice to go ahead and get one on the board so you can continue to build around. Completely will echo what you said. You need to go big number here, and you need to figure out a way that you can get at least three high school kids and kids that feel comfortable uh, with all of each other being committed and you know are committed to the idea of what this offense is going to evolve into and not what it's been the last two years. So this is a position they've got to, I don't know if they've got to hit a home run, but you've got to, you got to bounce a, wall, a ball off the wall. Uh, yeah, you know? we, need, I mean, we need at least need, a double. need to get a double or leg out a triple here. You've got to do well at this position, and it'll be uh, really interesting to see the path that Florida State tries to take to get there. One thing I want to note here is you need to figure out how much is it going to hurt you if you take another commit right now who's sort of a borderline commit. Does the room look like it's starting to fill up too fast? Does that turn off other kids to your program 
who maybe end up being better than those kids you took right now. Right. Does that make sense? Like you don't want to shut doors too early. Like if you're going to take another kid, you already took, you already took Jacobs. You, you better be damn sure that that's a guy who you think can really play for you and, and you're not, you're not guessing on it. So I understand maybe them wanting to be a little bit slow there because we do see a lot of kids at receiver develop over the summer. Yeah, I think this is also a position that you you may see a an outbound uh, player at some point as well. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure the the full attrition is done at wide receiver. So, uh, we'll oh, see. I agree. I, I think you'll see you'll see at least one uh, post spring. What do you want to go tight end? You want you want to go congruity? What do you want to do here? Everybody's favorite spot, tight end, and then we'll talk about uh, everybody's greatest business partner, the good people at congruity. So. Tight end, you know, an area that is uh, kind of a funny thing to talk about with some in the fan base with how many they've taken. Uh, this isn't the spring initial observations, but I will say that I've had numerous, numerous people tell me that, uh, you know, through two or three days, it looks like Courtney is a really solid addition to the program. And so there's a nice buzz around him and it'll be fun to see what they could do and uh, how his development tracks. But yeah, you probably need to sign one high school kid here. Uh, you've got the what the Pittman kid already committed. Anybody else necessarily emerge uh, on their board here? What do you think this looks like moving forward? But I, I think that the biggest thing for this position going forward is literally getting somebody who you have signed to develop here, whether that is Marcus and Douglas or Jack West or Brian Courtney or Jarrell Powers. Um, Pittman, I think, can be a pretty nice addition for you. Deuce Robinson is obviously a target, the son of Dominic Robinson, the guy who made the catch before the catch in the 2003 game in the Swamp. Uh, you know, I don't think that you have much of a shot there. To me, he profiles more of a national guy, even though he is a legacy. I'm just, I, I'm not buying in on that, right? Maybe I'll be wrong. I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't want to sell you guys a bill of goods. I, I don't really think they have much of a shot there. Yeah. All right. So we're talking tight ends. In the meantime, I will thank our great friends at Congruity. Uh, They've been nothing but a fantastic addition to the Nolcast and our small little business, and we certainly think that they would uh, for you as well. Matt Lewis, great asset for the Nolcast, would be a great asset for your business. Give them a call. Spend 10 minutes talking about about FSU and uh, your business and uh, see if it would be the pairing that it has been for us. 844-247. 4100 is the phone number. You can uh, reach him at via email, Knowles at congruityhr.com, or you can always DM myself uh, if you prefer to be kind of introduced via third party, as many uh, previous people that ended up working with Congruity have. So tip of the hat to Matt Lewis and his guys. They've been great for us. They'd be great for you. Please keep them in mind, whether it be HR needs, uh, assistance payroll, uh, or anything else that a uh, uh, you know top class PEO can provide for you and your business. Uh, listener questions here. We'll jump right in. As uh, Bud will be back with us in a couple minutes, I imagine. Uh, Sean has the first listener question. Sean writes: My question revolves around scheduling. Can you explain why FSU schedules difficult non-conference opponents year in and out consistently? If we were a perennial playoff team, I could potentially see the justification of playing a marquee opponent but not with this roster and where the program's currently at. I know we schedule our opponent years out in advance, but I'm still having a hard time seeing where the benefit is. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, the f- 
scheduling is a source of frustration uh, for a lot of people. You are scheduling yourself into probably an extra loss a year right now. And hopefully the paycheck is, is worth it. Um, it's kind of this tightrope that has to be walked by the athletic administration of, you know, getting enough checks in here to keep the athletic department rolling. It's, it's awesome to see that Florida State scheduled like an LSU, an Alabama, a Georgia. Uh, but keep in mind that you've already got, obviously you already have Florida on the schedule, Bud's back. You occasionally pick up Notre Dame every, you know, four or five years. Uh, when you're scheduling big games like that, and I know it's great to have a paycheck associated with it, uh, but there's certainly a, a downside to it from a, a record perspective. People love to bitch about "quote unquote" bad matchups. And they're like, "Oh, I don't want to buy these season tickets if they're if they're the, you know, these bad matchups." It's BS. Fans of all teams are, to some extent, bandwagon fans. If you win, they will come watch you. They'll complain about it a little bit, but they'll still buy the tickets. Period. You don't need to play these big non-conference matchups to to encourage ticket sales. You, you just don't. Because the negative downside is too great, especially in a non-12 team playoff format. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, my take on that. Tough on your local economy, uh, tough for everybody. Oh, so yeah. Uh obviously you do it for a reason. And um, you know, this this Chick-fil-A games and everything else, uh, pay a nice check. They're immediate, straight, <laughs> you know, straight into the uh the active account so that you can make payroll and everything else, but uh, a real downside to it. And uh, something that it feels like we're kind of going away from, obviously the, you know, the format and the structure of the playoff moving forward will probably dictate how many of those games and how appealing they are to uh, various levels of kind of the college football hierarchy. For sure. Um, do we want to take, do we want to hit O-line here or do you want, you want to stay with questions? Uh, yeah, good call. I, uh, completely jumped over the offensive line. Let's circle back to that. Is that as one unit? Just that, a, uh, a quick recap, maybe. Um, Alex Atkins is doing a great job. I think he's like the obvious guy on this staff. Who's going to get to be promoted at some point and be a head coach somewhere. I think, um, not regardless of how things go. Certainly if things don't work out here, I don't think he's going to be a head coach, but if things continue to improve, uh, then a very good chance in my opinion, that he will be. Uh, Kelton Smith is, is obviously a name, you know, at, at a Carver to continue to look at. Lucas Simmons, we already discussed. Rod Kearney, I feel like we talk about almost every single show, even though he's probably more of a guard. I think there's some chance he could play like right tackle for you. Really smart kid as well. Hard worker, stays in good shape, and is uh, is a very nice offensive line prospect too. So a lot of really good guys are saying they have interest in the Knowles. That's because of Alex Atkins. It's not really because the offensive line so far has been good, although I do think it has been uh, incrementally better year over year, baby steps. So I know they're trying to take a bigger step forward this year. That would certainly help with recruiting efforts. I, the one thing I'm having trouble figuring out here at this position is how many kids have interest in visiting Florida State because of Alex Atkins and how many kids have interested in actually signing with FSU? And that will probably come down to how many games you win this fall as far as the top kids or some of the better players. Again, uh, O-line is a, is a high-dollar position. Like There's not that many great ones, and, and you got to pay up to get them. Obviously, that, that's NIL involved there. We'll see if FSU uh, can do that. 
and I think they probably will improve their NIL work this year. It's also interesting to me, the numbers, because I think you want to take three or four, personally. Can you get four to say yes after taking, what, they go five last year? It's nine in a two-year period. You'd love to do it. Can you do it, though? If there's anywhere that you can really do that, I mean, this is the place, like you said, that you do have a little bit of juice based off the position coach, and you can still present some of these kids a decent pathway to play time, despite right. some of the numbers that you've taken. Uh, so, yeah, I think you've got a good chance. I think Florida State signs four kids here uh, at the end of the day. And um, I think we're very quickly looking at a position of strength moving forward for the program over the next two to three years. I mean, they've done a great job of turning that room, developing some of these question, you know, not, not questionable kids. That's not the right way, but you know, guys that they had to develop that they signed two years ago or so. They're doing a decent enough job and uh, are starting to sign kids with a little bit of a higher ceiling as far as the talent level goes. And, uh, I, you know, if you're a Florida State fan, you've got to really love the general trajectory of where you are at this position after having suffered through, you know, six, five or six years of absolute misery. Um, so, yeah, that's fun to talk about the offensive line not being an absolute dumpster fire. So, uh, yay, Alex Atkins. By the way, uh, G. Childs here uh, says uh, Eugene Brooks out of Vegas at FSU on top despite never visiting. Again, that's some Alex Atkins' work. Uh, Greg Biggins, the like top scout on the West Coast for like the last quarter century in recruiting, who does all the you know the big time Fox games out there for the high school stuff. And he saw him this weekend at the uh, SoCal Under Armour and said that he was pretty dominant uh, again at six foot three and three hundred and sixty five pounds. Uh, probably needs to lean out a little bit, uh, but still uh, very light on his light on his feet for his size. All right. All right. Okay. That's uh, that's that's a big boy. That's, that's, a, that's a big boy. 365. Cool. 365 at 63. Like yeah, that's a that's a nice it's a nice circular offensive lineman. Um, like I'm not a small guy. That's me plus plus ha- half an inch and 145 pounds. <laughs> it's a lot of brisket, bud. It's a lot of brisket. Uh, I did make some beef ribs on Monday night. Oh, dude. Really? Perfect. Yeah, they it, it, I just I kind of rolled the dice. I didn't wrap them. Uh, I just, just went two twenty five for like twelve hours, mm-hmm. and um, it came out kind of looking like pastrami almost, like that that color throughout. It was right. uh, it was it was well received. Mm. Although my was, wife said she liked the, the ones I made last time better. Mm. Well, all right, well, you got to always have somebody you know pushing you to yeah for uh, for for you know never letting you sit and still, but got to evolve. You think I'm the Debbie Downer? I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, Bobby. It's still a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the proposed rule changes about the clock and shortening the number of plays of the games, who win? Do you think someone passed us? Oh, I remember reading this question. I thought this was a, this a, a an odd one. Who win? Do you think someone passes James Blackman's all time passing stats? He currently sits at number eleven with uh, almost five thousand five hundred yards including bowl games. Florida State threw for 2,420 yards last year with Jordan Travis. Uh, that would boost his, if he were to do the same thing, that would boost his current yards from 26,700, uh, 20, 26,000, 2,674 to 5,093. If Jordan Travis plays two more seasons, he's going to get it, right? Uh, he was Am I reading this wrong? 
certainly surpassed black men. And I mean, if, if he continues to at his uh, current projection, he would probably be somewhere around 7,000 yards. In my opinion, if he starts for two more, two more years. Um, so I mean, maybe the answer is just that thing we talked about to, to start the show. He actually has two more years left. Should he choose to use it? Cause it, he's at 2,500 right now. 20, or excuse me, 2745 right now. 71 of that was from Louisville, which we're not going to count for the all-time Florida State passing record for obvious reasons. Uh, so he's at like, you know, 2670, basically call it right now. He would need 2,700 yards, basically. Last yeah. year, Florida State threw as a, a, not Travis, but as a position as a group, team. threw for 2,419 yards. They didn't play in a bowl game, obviously. Uh, if you'd played a 13th game, probably likely that you know, you get another 200, 250. If Jordan Travis plays uh, two more seasons, he's extremely likely to get that number, in my opinion, and, and, and hold the all-time passing record. That's kind of crazy to me that Jordan Travis is passing up James Blackman, but it speaks to how the game is played nowadays, uh, both in terms of style and in terms of clock rules. The clock rules that Bobby is referring to, uh, interestingly, are the ones where the transformation committee and the people who run the sport of college football and the people who are likely to take over running the sport of college football are very concerned about the head injury data that they got. And uh, they're trying to reduce the number of hits in games before they expand the number of playoff games so that they can have it appear uh, that they are at least net, you know, kind of net even uh, when it comes to uh, adding hits and quote-unquote, as they like to term it, exposures in the game. If not JT, what does it take? It probably takes somebody playing a some small amount, like some medium amount as a freshman and then having two very good years right in a row or a couple middling years and then a Kenny Pickett-style huge breakout senior year, I would guess, or... I don't know, maybe a national champion type team that ends up in a 12-team playoff uh, in which they play 17 games. Mm-hmm. You could do yeah. it in two years in, in, in that case. Uh, or an offensive change, right? I mean, go to well, CFB stats here real fast. But like the national passing leaders last year uh, for individuals, you did have uh, Bailey Zappi through for 59-67. So he would have beaten FSU's all-time record by 500 yards in one year. Insanity. Yeah. Bryce Young threw for 48-72. Um, I mean, how many quarterbacks threw for at least half of FSU's all-time record in one season? The answer, actually, is uh, surprisingly 54. Does that surprise you? Yeah, that is a little bit surprising to me. 54 um, quarterbacks threw for at least 2,800 yards last year. Yeah, you I mean, that's a big, too. it's a big, yeah. Hey, look, <clears throat> not to put pressure on the kid, but um, if this thing gets turned over to AJ Duffy next year, I think he's got a pretty good chance uh, to make yeah, a run. Yeah, I would that. agree. Certainly. Um, so, yeah, Bobby, interesting question. I still do a double take whenever I see that James Blackman's Florida State's, uh, you know, leading uh, as far as passing yards stats, but uh, I guess it makes sense when you think about it. Uh, both in the offenses that he appeared and how many snaps that guy actually took as your quarterback. 
Uh, Connor has our next question. At what point do Florida State, Clemson, UNC, UVA, and any other possible ACC schools that present value to the Big Ten or SEC blow the whole thing up? Sorry, I'm fighting off a sneeze here. Uh, I have to think that there would be a tipping point where these schools would allow it for the tripling of, wouldn't allow it for the tripling of revenue by other conferences to continue for the benefit of the Wakes and Syracuses of the world. Off topic, but is it the, if it, off topic, but it is the off season. Uh, keep up the good work and appreciate all the honest analysis. So, Connor, really appreciate your support as a Patreon, as uh, almost all of these questions we pull from our. Uh, Patreon, if you have an interest in additionally supporting the Nolcast, you can go look at uh, patreon.com backslash Nolcast, uh, as Connor and many others have uh, chosen to do. Um, yeah, Connor, I mean, this will be a conversation that, you know, we probably kind of reference uh, periodically here for the next, I would imagine, probably the next four or five years before you see real movement on this. Um, although, you know, predicting uh, <laughs> predicting conference realignment is by no means an exact science. Uh, but yeah, at some point, someone's going to look around and decide that contract be damned. Uh, they cannot live in a world where they're tripled uh, by their in-state uh, rivals from a, from a revenue perspective. And, you know, Clemson has had a nice run recently, but, you know, there's only so long that the people in Columbia can post massive uh you know, revenue compared to what you're bringing in and, and that balance of power maintaining in the way that it is. So uh, I've, I've said this for, gosh, I don't know, five or six years that I think uh, eventually uh, Florida State may end up in the Big Ten. If there's any conference out there that I think Florida State's most likely to uh, join in the future, it would be the Big Ten and some kind of southward expansion that that conference does. Um, but Nothing immediate. I just think it would be a great pairing for both parties. And uh, that ultimately, that's how I think this plays out. But that's not something that you're going to, you know, see a, a tweet notification on in the next uh, couple weeks or anything else like that. And of course, the Big Ten you're referencing is not really the Big Ten as we think of it right now. You know, I mean, it would be a drastically different, probably like super division of, of Big Ten, I would have to think. But who I would knows, think man? they would add probably four Southern teams if they were to make something like that. Yeah. Um, but again, we're, uh, we're talking about something that's a while down the line and, and hard to get an exact feel for what it'll look like. Speaking in, uh, you know, broad strokes. I would agree with that. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and take, uh, take Michael. Michael, every spring we run into the issues of inflated skill assessment of specific position groups a few years ago. The defensive line was hyped when, in fact, the offensive line was just bad. You remember that? Uh, something similar happened to the corners recently. Who will it be this year? Is there anybody who's in danger of their value being inflated coming out of spring? Or can we take spring performance closer to face value this year? So what lies will be told coming out of spring that later get exposed? I think you've improved at the offensive pos- uh, at the wide receiver position, certainly. But I'm you know, still going to be a little skeptical as to what you immediately hear back based on the defensive backs because of this. I mean, I've got to see some of those kids, uh, the kid out of West Virginia, I'm willing to, you know, if, if you, if you're getting good reps against him, I'll have a little bit more of a higher opinion of it, but uh, outside of McLean, still a little skeptical as to uh, what this looks like. Although there certainly has been some decent positive chatter about the kid out of Arizona state, but I'll, you know, I'll wait to see 
pads get on. And that's another thing. Look, I'm not knocking the kid, bud, but speaking very bluntly, that's a guy that couldn't get off press coverage in the Pac-10 last year. So why all of a sudden, if he's in Tallahassee and having success, like, you're just going to have to see. We're, I'm, I'm going to have to see yeah. that there's been honest growth. You're not buying into his ability to get press kids. coverage based on what's happening in shorts? Uh, based off what's happening in shorts, or um, we'll just, we'll, uh, we'll get a better feel for it as it goes along. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I will sell the whole O-line has, has better depth lie. I will buy that they have more bodies who look the type. I am not buying that those bodies are all ready to play if the injuries mount. But I'm also kind of buying into this line being better as far as starters. So I, that's an interesting parse, I guess. I hope that maybe it didn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm going to sell the idea that just because they have more bodies who look like they can play doesn't necessarily mean that they actually have functional depth at the position. We already took Richard's question. Are we done? Yeah, we took Richard's question. An hour and five? Uh, I think that is it. I think that's all that we have. Uh, let's see if we've got anything else in the comments that we would have missed. Um, Chad asked why Florida State would want to end up in the Big Ten versus the SEC. Um, I mean, look, I think you'd want to end up in any of these conferences that are writing major checks, right? It'd be great. Um, I would love to see you end up in the Big Ten because I think that you'd have somewhat of a similar situation with the ACC where you've got a little bit of an easier path to the higher levels of college football. I mean, it's obviously if we're living in a world of two major super conferences, there's not going to be a, an easy path anywhere. But uh, if you're able to get big 10 checks and be able to play in the big 10 and not have to play, uh, you know, in the SEC West or something like that uh, type of schedule, then yeah, I'd love for you to land in the big 10. And I think Florida state would be an attractive option uh, to be able to give the Big Ten a continued uh, recruiting presence in the Deep South, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, a lot of time for that conversation to kind of come about uh, organically. And, you know, like I said, this is probably something that we are talking about for another half decade at least before you see real real movement on it. I also really don't think that there's going to be just two super conferences. Um, solely from the perspective that, A, there are too many big programs outside of those two leagues right now. Right, even if you expand them, I still think that's the case. B, you need somebody you can beat. Why is Vanderbilt in the SEC? Well, they were there originally, which which was helpful, but they're not going to get voted out because these teams need a win. You don't like if you go to just this two team super league concept. You're going to have good teams finishing six and six, and that's the NFL, and that is really difficult to sell. To boosters, right? You need some teams in your divisions, in your leagues, who you can actually beat. And, you know, for Bama, maybe that's Mississippi State. For Mississippi State, who is that? Right? Just hypothetically there. So I, I think that if we do see a breaking away, I think we will see probably something more like 70 teams. Right now we're at 134, I think. I, I could see us chopping it in half. But that's just me. I mean, it, yeah. it's all hypothetical. Right? Are we going to have baseball uh, soon? Uh, professional baseball? Yeah, yeah I'm man. not optimistic about it. We've got our baseball uh, team's been very exciting so far. Yeah, I was going to say we may just have to settle ourselves with watching uh, boys over Dick Hauser for the foreseeable future. I uh, 
you know, I, I used to work at 680. They have a pretty tight relationship with the Braves, blah, blah, blah. I haven't heard a whole lot of positive sentiment on where, uh, where baseball stands when I just talk to people around town here. So I think it'll be a, you know, I think it'll be a while before we see the, uh, see the major leagues back in action. How does that impact some of your uh, daily fantasy stuff and stuff like that? I know you love to take a pretty good crack at baseball. I have been doing less of that now that I have kids. And also I think the market's got tighter, especially like DFS baseball within the last few years. Um, but I would love to, uh, I would love that baseball come back. Also, if you know anybody out there who, uh, thinks they're pretty sharp and wants to set their own alternate run lines. Get at me. That was a very nice summer. <laughs> One summer. Uh, you know, it's, uh, well, you know, if you listen to the Nolcast for an hour and 10 minutes, I, I can give you this gambling tip. If you are, you know, maybe using a, a bookie and not, not one of these regulated sports books, or even if you're using a, a regulated book or whatever, take a look at some lines that are not the standard line. Take a look at some of these derivative, derivative lines. Uh, sometimes these lines will be, uh, not very valuable. Other times, because nobody is betting the favorite, you can find some real value. For instance, you might, like, let's say the Yankees are playing and uh, Garrett Cole is on the mound and he's pretty good, even you know, with the whole sticky stuff. They're favored, as they should be. Sometimes you can find them plus one and a half runs at like minus 425, which means you need to lay 425 to net 100 with your bet. That is like the least sexy bet in the entire world. Okay. If the true price, like the true market price is more like minus 600 and you're able to get it for minus 425, it's actually a huge value uh, to you and you should take advantage of that. So, although if you take advantage of it too much, you might get kicked out. Because keep in mind, not a lot of people bet baseball. And if you do and you win, you will stand out in a summer uh, that doesn't have any football in it. So. All right, that's been your uh, 70th minute gambling tip. <laughs> uh, good deal, man. Thoroughly enjoyed this. We'll talk a little bit of NFL draft next time. We did have a couple questions about that uh, in email that we'll get to. Uh, the defensive end position is is fascinating and loaded this year. Um, obviously, Jermaine put on a, a show at the Combine, ran, what, a 4.59 or something like that? I mean, yeah. good for you, man. Good for you. Um I have got a couple friends in the NFL that I've reached out to. Uh, we'll talk more draft. Just want to let y'all know uh, that is, you know, something that we've got a little bit of time on, but it's uh, is on our radar. So I'm excited um, to do that. I, I listened to a, actually, if you guys want even more podcast content, uh, I listened to one today. I thought was pretty good. It's called unexpected points. It was, uh, it was going over the correlations uh, to future NFL success uh, for each of the drills. Uh, by position. So if that really? sounds boring to you, I can't blame you. If it sounds interesting to you, I actually thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, man. Wild year that Trayvon Walker coming, good lord. Georgia had a couple Georgia had a couple good defensive ends on the roster a couple years ago, huh? I mean Yeah, uh, Jordan Davis, um, by the way, had the highest weight adjusted 40 time in the history of the event. Yeah. Not not for position, just overall. Yeah. Nuts. Nuts for that guy. Four eight seven or something like that. I thought it was slightly better than that, even. Yeah, oh, four I mean, seven eight or something. Like that's yeah. Uh, yeah. that's <laughs> that's uh that's absurd, man. That's absurd. Oh, one other parting comment I wanted to make, bud. This is much more yeah. a national thing. 
Uh, I think college football, when it comes to NIL, we were all stolen. Uh, we were all stolen. We were all taken away of an um, incredible opportunity to see what T. Boone Pickens would have been able to do alive in, with NIL. Because uh, T. Boone gave so much money to Oklahoma State that they literally were like, there's nothing else for us to name after you. If you want us to put like a plaque, literally a plaque on every seat in the stadium, that's about the only thing that we could do left. T. Boone, obviously one of the like more notable commodity traders of the last hundred years or so, made boatloads of uh, money trading oil over about a 50-year period of time, but uh, gave tons of money to Oklahoma State, specifically with the clause that if they were ever found to have done things uh, wrong in the recruiting world, that he would take that money back. Uh, that is a guy that I think if he was alive would have literally like paid a million dollars kid just for the, yeah. just for the lulls and, uh, college football was robbed of what T Boone Pickens would have done with NIL. So that's my final parting comment, uh, not related to Florida state whatsoever, but, um, you know, too bad, too bad that we were robbed of that opportunity. There uh, will be more folks like that. I'm sure. Oh, there will be, there most certainly will be. So. All right, y'all. That'll be the Nolcast for tonight. Thank you, as always, for watching. If you chose to uh, tune in on YouTube, greatly appreciated. Uh, the voting for the Sports Podcast Awards uh, is closed. We will have uh, news on that by the end of the month, and we'll keep you updated. But want to thank all of you for the fantastic level of support that we received. Uh, sincerely from Bud and I, that was awesome and very much appreciated. So with that, we'll bring about an end to tonight's Nolcast. Thank you, as always. We'll be back in the next week or so with another show. All right. See you, bud. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.